You're listening to 101.9 FM KPCRLP Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here and welcome to Drinks with Tony with my guest Taylor Hahn. Her debut novel comes out on June 7th and it's called The Lifestyle. I'm teaching a free creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library and we're still on Zoom. So join us at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, June 8th for the 90-minute workshop. For a Zoom link, feel free to request one via email at duchesne at gmail.com or go directly to the uh, library website at lapl.org for more information. And now, Taylor and I discuss how to write your first novel, how to survive and thrive in long-term romantic relationships, my aversion to threesomes, even if it's with two ladies, imposter syndrome, the vulnerability of being a writer, and once you find great teachers and mentors, cling on to them because we all need all the help we can get in this game. Hi, I'm Taylor Hahn, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Taylor Hahn. She's the author of The Lifestyle, a novel. Taylor, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm all right. Your book comes out next week. Your debut novel. What are the feelings involved in this situation? Oh, a lot of conflicting feelings. I'm super excited. It's a dream come true for me. You know, I've wanted to be a writer since as long as I can remember. So it's kind of shocking that this is actually happening. And also a lot of terror. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's just really wild to know that this book that I kept in secret for so long is suddenly going to be read by anyone and any, you know, anyone who wants to read it. It's really makes me feel vulnerable in a way that I'm not accustomed to. Prepare to be judged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you do. You bring up such a great point. The terror that's involved, you know, it's because yeah, like, you know, if you don't have, if you don't put a, you know, if you don't write a novel and like, when, when we're talking writing a novel, like, like just churning your guts out for years on end, and then you get a book deal, and then everything like feels like it takes forever slow, and then all of a sudden, it's next week, and then you're just like, okay, where's the parade? <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, but, they, but there's, there's just this looming cloud over you that's just like, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like when I finally realized I was a writer when I talked to my friends and I, and I finally understood when I said, Hey, how you doing? When they had their book out, they went, Ugh. and I under, <laughs> and I was, I didn't understand what that meant before, but I understand that on a whole new level now. I do too. I've been thinking a lot about how the process of publication and getting reviewed by complete strangers speaks to my worst fears, you know? Yeah. It really is. And screw them all, by the way, they suck. But but at the same time, we're going to read them because we're, you know, we're, we're insatiable for torture. So, yeah. yes, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like an imposter. I still feel like I can't believe this is really happening. And so whenever, you know, someone has an opinion about it, it's a lot easier to believe the negative ones than the positive ones. I think writers generally are like that. 
And the We're imposter. The, you know? I'm sorry. What did you say? I didn't hear. We're all sensitive, you know. Sensitive artists, yeah. It's I mean we but because we're ta- we have to to write authentically. We have to tap into emotions that a lot of people get to avoid, and then we get to write even more conflict into these emotions. And people don't have to think about this. They just think it's a beach read. They don't know the hell we went through. <laughs> exactly. But I do hope people have a blast reading it. It is a beach read, and more than anything, it's intended to be really fun. I really. I had a lot of fun while I was writing it and I hoped that that translated. I would always think to myself when I was doing a scene that if I was laughing or had a smile on my face that I hoped that the reader would feel that and they would also be having a blast. So that's my number one hope. um, This, this happens to me. So, and so, um, and I know it happens to other writers, but like when you're reading through your draft and uh, doing like the next draft, do you read a scene that you forgot you wrote and go, oh my God, that's actually really funny. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially when I got the final version of the book, I intentionally didn't reread it for a really long time because I wanted to be able to come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, and I would open to a random page and think, oh, I forgot that this was in here. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's the way that we continue to trick our minds that we're writers. You know, I interviewed David Sedaris once and I was like, when did you feel like you're a writer? And he's like, I still don't feel like I'm a writer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How does that happen? And then he goes, well, no, hold on, Tony. I, I still feel like a writer if I'm in the New Yorker and I pretend that I'm not in the New Yorker and I just put it on my coffee table and then I'll <laughs> casually open it up and then happen to flip to my page. And then for that, for a second, I feel like an author. And I was just like, and that makes sense for everything. So <laughs> that's really funny. Well, if David Sedaris still has fears about this, that makes me feel better. Then, yeah, uh, it's hearing that I went, oh, okay, we're all we're all we're all all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a it's not a um you know author castle in the hills. It's we're all in the trenches just going, <laughs> I hope you liked it. That's exactly right. <laughs> So, but you, uh, so you, but you practiced, you went into law school. So you, so you first went for being a lawyer. Is that, is that the jam or when was, when did, when did this, you go, when did it bite you or you went, you know what? I got to get, this is, I got to get this novel out of me before I strangle my parents, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a lawyer. I did go to law school. I also was a second grade teacher before I became a lawyer so writing is my third career. Wait a um, second. So that, so law, but being a lawyer has a lot to do with negotiation and probably being a second grade teacher has a lot to do with negotiation. Oh yeah. Big time. Got to negotiate with those kids to keep their butts in the chairs. <laughs> now, is it easier to negotiate with kids or is it easier to negotiate with um, awful adults? I think it's way harder to negotiate with kids. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> um, I... I went after those careers, I think because I was afraid to write, even though I always wanted to. And I just thought that it was really impractical. And and I also didn't know how, I didn't really understand the process of how a book becomes a book until I was an adult. I don't think, I mean, there's no college class on that. So even though I took creative writing classes in college, there was no discussion of this is what you actually have to do if you want to make a career of writing. I just felt like 
I would, I would write and then it would what live on my computer forever. I didn't, I honestly just didn't know. And, um, I went to law school. I I've always been super practical, nervous to kind of put myself out there in a creative way. But after I graduated from law school and became a lawyer, I was working a lot and doing mostly financial type work. It really, it, it didn't allow me that create that creativity that I had inside me. And so I started taking classes for fun and I just, it reinvigorated, you know, that thing that I always loved, which was writing. And then I got really lucky because my best friend is a writer and she had a novel come out in 2018. Oh, so oh was, who is that? Who the not your, your name dropper? Yeah. <laughs> her name is Crystal Hana Kim. Uh-huh. And she, her novel is called If You Leave Me. Uh-huh. And it's an epic story about the Korean War and love and how the war destroyed this family. It's oh, beautiful. Wow. It's yeah. really heartbreaking. Um, so you had a best friend and your best yeah. friend. And so, but first you were taking the creative writing classes and then your friend like sold a book later. Is that how it this was all at the same time? Really? Oh, okay. Like I started taking classes while she was selling her novel. And so I was able to see the process mm-hmm. and I realized, okay, maybe I could do this if I worked really, really hard. So starting in about early 2017, I decided to go for it. Wow. Yeah. The, um, what were, what were the, where did you take creative writing classes? Like, did you just pick somewhere? I was going to say in the phone book because I'm in my fifties, <laughs> but did you, I'm sorry. Let's get back to the 2022s. Did you look on, like, how did you find a, a good uh, creative writing class? I took the vast majority of my classes at Catapult, which I would highly, oh, yeah, highly yeah. recommend. Yeah. They're and linked with CounterPoint, which um, yeah. is, they're my publisher. So. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, cool. They they're still won't incredible. let me teach a class though. They look at me and go, no, no. Yeah, you, 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 you're, uh, people aren't going to take your class. They're, they're, they're going to be freaked out by what, you know, it's like, whatever. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I understand. I know what I look like. Um, I would so, so these were online classes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they were in person until the pandemic and now they're mm-hmm. online. So everybody can do that. So that's great. Any special teacher where you're just like, oh my God, that teacher like nailed it for me. Oh yeah. A huge influence for me was Chelsea Beaker. Her novel is Godshot and her short story collection just came out. Godshot sounds like a porn. <laughs> <laughs> It has to do with glitter, but you're going to have to read the novel. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, she's in Godshot 1, amazing. 2, and 3. <laughs> I'm sorry I went there. Okay, let's let's get back to seriousness because this person is a good teacher. So Yeah, she's a genius. And I, as soon as I took her class, I thought, I love you. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. You. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your friend. So thankfully, she's become a big mentor and friend of mine and she yeah without her I'm not sure that this book would exist honestly we need others too Jennifer Close is a teacher at Catapult she's amazing Mm -hmm. Alyssa Basist is a teacher at Catapult who teaches comedy 
Mm. She's hilarious. And I like to think that my book is funny. So, but you mm. can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what was I, I was going to, oh, was I, um, we all really need our mentors, especially in this game of like writing the novels shouldn't be written. Like, it's just like you cut, you have come up with an idea and, you, and one day you're like, you don't have any words on a page. And then all of a sudden you have a published book. I mean, not all of a sudden, you know, years down the road, but in the end, it's a really bad idea, but it's like one of the greatest things ever at the same time. Yeah. I think it's an addiction, honestly. I, once I had the idea for this book, I could not let it go. Yeah. And writing becomes an addiction too. I feel like if I'm not writing, I'm jittery and unsettled and I can't think straight. No, I'm, I am, uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a better person as long as I'm writing. Yeah, so I, I write way. for the sake of humanity because I'd probably be a crappier person in real life if I wasn't <laughs> writing every day. So I would like to just let everyone um, express their gratitude to me for making the world a better place because, I am, I, because I, I'm not. Thank a dick. You. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's um, it's surreal. And that's, that's just the beauty of it. All this storytelling is just surreal. It's like, why do films get made? Films should not get made. And you know, it's, but they still happen. Yeah. They still happen. Yeah. Because we need, we need to produce and we need to consume. <laughs> we need to tell our, we need the stories. It's, yeah. we're, you know, I, I tell, I, I, I teach as well. So I tell my students, I'm just, you know, especially well, the really beginning students, I'm just like the people who've never written. I'm like, you know, you've been telling stories like all your life. You talk about your friend, you talk about your parents, you talk, you're, you're engaging people in conversation and creating characters and you're creating plot and you just don't know it yet so you have the experience but now you got to get it on paper and that's a whole new relationship so. mm -hmm. yeah so anyway what's uh and and you're married right yeah and this is a book about a relationship yes it's a book about three relationships one central one and then the main characters two very close friends and their significant others yeah, so it's tapping some solid themes there. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. divorced, so I get the. I'm, I've, <laughs> I've, I was married for uh, 13 years, so. I, um, but it's. It, I always find the relate the long term relationships very intriguing and satisfying, actually. Yeah, I wanted. Um, I wanted to show three very different relationships. So I thought a lot about you know the different problems that couples face and the different problems that I've faced in my life to really tap into those feelings. But all three couples uh, join the lifestyle. Obviously that's the premise of the book and it's challenging for them in different ways. Like for example, with one couple, there's only one person who really wants to do it. And the other one is going along with it for her sake, which creates really interesting issues. I think of consent and um, you know, what's, what your boundaries are, like, how far are you willing to go for the person you love? But I would end, never, I would never do threesome. I just couldn't. <laughs> it's I, I already have an, I, just two people in the room is enough for me. If anyone was just like, you know, let's spice this up. I'd be like, you know what? I think we're done. <laughs> <Good to know. laughs> I think that's the end. 
<laughs> on your podcast now so you put that out there for the world oh no, you have no idea how much is already out there it's just you know yeah anyway go ahead i'm sorry i just i, I was just you're talking about consent and my consent is just no <laughs> But no, it's another girl. Don't care. Don't care. No means you know, no. Like, hey, hey, yeah, one's enough. I just, I just need, I need my two pair of genitals in the room, and that's it. <laughs> maybe, maybe even in the whole house. I don't even want to know if any other people have genitals here. <laughs> I could be a prude. Anyway, continue as you were. <laughs> um. Well, I was gonna say that that all three couples end up in the lifestyle, but while it's really rewarding for them, it helps them in different ways is the point. So they don't all have the same experience, but all of them are helped. All of their relationships move forward, you know, whether that's them deciding that they're not right for each other or that they do want to stick it out together. And isn't that the question almost every, you know, it's not like when we're in a relationship, we're actually actively asking that every day, but we are kind of making the decision of I'm sticking with this person today, you know, here's another day and I'm still with this person. That's kind of a decision that's constantly enforced. I think you can tell me I'm wrong. Cause I fail at marriage. You're successful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's true. I think if you ask any couple who's been married for a long time, um, it definitely, it, it, it is a decision that you make of who you want to share your life with. You know, it doesn't happen by accident. It's a decision. Yeah. When you met your, when you met your husband, when did you know that he was the one? Did you know? Exactly. Yeah. Isn't we were, it weird? We were a Go unique, Yeah. Go um, ahead. We, I would say had a faster love story than a lot of people, but it worked out for us. I mean, mm -hmm. we knew within a couple of weeks, we were really serious. I met his family within a couple of weeks and then he met my family within a couple of months. And so I would say probably three months in, I started thinking if he proposes, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> wow. And then, and then how much and longer I, did it take for him to propose? Another did you, year. Did you know the proposal was coming? I, yes and no. When, when it ultimately happened, I had a very good feeling, but he threw me off the scent by telling me that he had, he was, still ring shopping, but it turned out he already had one. And so Ooh. when he did do it, it was still a big surprise. He is. He, do you think he's a writer too? Does he got writer in him? Because that's a good plot twist. That's yeah. like a cool breadcrumb reveal. Yes. And yes, he's a great writer. He's a lawyer also. So. Oh, okay. Does, what's his interest in writing? He writes um, more. He's more interested in writing nonfiction, which is mm -hmm. so not my jam. I don't read nonfiction or write nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. And what is, and what did, now, when did you let him read a draft of the lifestyle? Like at what point does he get to read a draft? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. This was hard for me because I think when I first started writing, I needed a lot of external validation and maybe that's common with other writers too. I needed, I needed my teachers to tell me that I was doing a good job. And I also wanted validation from him so I let him read a pretty early draft, but then I started feeling like, you know what, I actually need to do this for me and really internalized it. And then I think I went of another two years before I let him read it. But that was, 
what I think that was actually a lot of progress for me internally to just realize that writing for myself instead of writing for anybody else was a much better way to do it. You write the book that you want to read. Yeah. And I've, and that, and that I enjoy the process and feel good about it. Um, I think that a piece of advice I always give to people who say they want to write a book is you really have to enjoy the process. And so if you're doing it just for yourself, you're able to find something that you love about it. But if you're just doing it for other people, then you're never gonna find what what makes you happy about the process. I love that because it is about the process. And I've only discovered that kind of recently because because the out your outcome is essentially coming June 7th. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Probably like so so you all you've had is process and your outcome comes June 7th. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um and I've had like my outcomes too where I put more weight on them than I should have given them. Because I had to go back and go no wait a second. The pro I sh- the process has to mean more than the outcome to me. Like even working on a film, the process of working with these people, of the happy accidents, of the beautiful days, of the hard days, of the conflicts, of coming back together, of lack of sleep. That's the fun part of it. And then people watch it on the screen, and that's kind of just an outcome where you go, oh yeah, and that's cute for them. Yeah, I agree with you completely especially because you never even know if it's going to make it to the outcome. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not in the film world, but with writing, there's so many reasons why your book might not get published, even if it's completely done. And so you still, you, if you're only doing it to see it on the shelf or to say that you wrote a book, it's not a good enough reason. You have to do it because you you love it and you love the process and you need to tell the story. I like that a lot. And how did you how did you come to that absolute maturity on your first book? Because I was nowhere near that. <laughs> how did you do it? Please, I'm still I'm still trying to struggle through that. I think a lot of soul searching, honestly. I mean, when I first got started. This was back in 2016 is when I started taking classes. And then 2017 is when I started working on this project in earnest. I just never knew whether it was going to go anywhere, but I had to stay motivated. And so I would just think like, why am I doing this? What's the point? And for me, the point was becoming a better writer and that I actually loved it. Like if I had the decision between spending a Saturday morning writing or spending it at brunch. I mean, this makes me very antisocial, but I would choose writing. And once I realized that it became so much easier to stick with it. One of us, one of us. (laughs) (laughs) I I find the 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 relationship I have with my characters, that's kind of what drives me too. And I want to get back to them, you know, even if they're driving me crazy or they're going a wrong direction when I have a character epiphany and I'm all, and I'm like, that's why I put her in there. Oh my God. Like I had that actually today (laughs) when I was writing this morning, I was just like, the character's name's Carissa. And I'm like, that's why she's in there. And I didn't even know why she was in there. And I just, I've been writing her for a while. And then all of a sudden it was just like, Oh, (laughs) it's yeah. 
I don't know if you, I don't know if you hit it like that or not, because I guess it depends what, what kind of project you're working on, but I sometimes care, like I'll just, when I'm writing a character just comes up and I just scribble their name down as fast as possible. And I don't think twice about it. And then they just show up. And then I don't know if they're staying or not. And she made her case to stay and not only stay, but become a couple plot points. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when that happens. There's there sometimes I'll be writing and I'll think um, what's, what's the reason for this certain event. And then you kind of realize that you accidentally wrote it in earlier in the novel. And that's the best. Because our gut has, we're, we're, we got to get out of the way of our intellectual brain a lot. Yeah. So much of writing is really subconscious. That's one of the most fascinating things about it. Like sometimes I'll write something and I will think, who, who am I? <laughs> yeah. And then we can blame it on our characters too. When they do very yeah. shameful things, we could be like, I know it's just, it, I had to go deep with that weirdo. And then it's just, and you're like going, I'm actually all those characters. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's fun. What, and, and, um, but I mean, your, your teachers and stuff, they just must be like ecstatic and jumping for joy. Everyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm so lucky. I mean, every time I would take a catapult class, I would pretty much <laughs> become friends with the teacher after I, I just felt like they were all amazing mentors and incredible writers. And so I would stalk them until they agreed to become my friend, basically. So they- everyone's super psyched. Did they live in LA? Did you ride by slowly on your bicycle in front of their house? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's one teacher that I had back. Oh, this was one of the first classes that I took. He's a writer named Stefan Merrill Block. Have you heard of him? Mm -mm. One of his most recent books is called Oliver Loving. Um, He is an amazing teacher. And I had come up with the idea for the lifestyle. It wasn't called that at the time. But, oh, um, what, what, oh, oh, what, 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 keep that thought. I'm sorry. What were other titles that you had? When I first started writing, I'm talking very first draft. Um, the, the, the title was, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Do you remember on Facebook how you used to be able to put your relationship status and one of the options was I, it's complicated. It's com. Yeah. It's complicated was one of them. I think, Oh no, I remember it was relationship status married. Oh, okay. Title that I started with. I do like that title though. That's a good title. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I had started this in his class and I remember that he emailed everyone and said, who would like to go first? And I said that I wanted to go first, even though I didn't have a single page written. I was just so gung-ho about this idea. I was like, I'm doing this. So I wrote out the first 10 or so pages, sent them around, workshopped them, got such helpful feedback. And as as I always do in workshop, it's so valuable. And then I got to go a second time. You know, you usually get to go twice in a workshop. Oop, my lights turned off. (laughs) There we go. Sorry, they're on motion sensor. Um, And after the second time that I submitted, it was very different from the first time. I really spent a lot of time on it. And he wrote me a note and he said, I think if you stick with this, you could publish this. And I I cried on the subway. (laughs) 
Oh, this is when I lived in New York. Yeah. I was so happy. I cried on the subway. And I don't know if without that early cheerleading that I would have stuck with it, you know? Now does, now does, does he know that he made you cry? He does. Okay. He he does know. I told him and I also sent him a final copy of the book. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's like I I have this thing where I'm like well, back well when we were more on campus, you know, everything's so online now. But when we were on campus, it was just like, you know, I there would be one or two people that would cry each quarter, but you could because they're you're tapping like heavy stuff sometimes. Yeah. And and um, you know, it's just like it's it's kind of, you know, I just was mm-hmm. just like, thank you, you know, thank you for crying because I I I gotta make someone cry this quarter, you know, and it's just like because at first they're just, they're trying to hold back crying. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Hey, relax. We, we're, we're all on the same page. It's just, you know, and then they'd be like, Oh, okay. And then everyone would kind of start to tear up. And then it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. good. And then it turns into a laughing fest because we're just all human goons, you know, trying to tell stories. So. Yeah. Workshop is the best. I mean, you really get to know people really quickly. Yeah, well, I guess you had some good workshop because I know you get to know some people where you're just like, and I never, ever want to see you on the street again. (laughs) I don't know if you had that experience. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely heard that about MFA programs. I didn't, I don't have an MFA, so I don't know personally, but Catapult is an amazing community. I never had a negative experience. See, that's why they don't have me because I make people cry. I want the whole room to cry by the end of the quarter. But you're making people cry out of emotion. No, oh, yeah, right? exactly. No, I need to talk to them because if they, if, yeah, I'm just, all right. Anyway, this is not about what I need to do with my life and my future schedule. This is back to your book. Um, I just happen to know the catapult, uh, the catapult jam. Well, I just, I guess I just don't know the teachers there, or maybe I know them and I'm saying I don't know them and that's why they all hate my guts and they won't. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I don't edit a thing. So this is, this is, this is how it works. Um, yeah. Okay. Back to you. I got all insecure right there. All of a sudden. I'm sorry. Did I say, no, it wasn't you. I brought myself, I brought myself right into insecurity. I'm like, how do I, it's like, sometimes I'm even with doing the podcast, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, episode 195. I got no idea what I'm doing. I think all of us feel that way all of the time. Do you feel that way as a lawyer? Um, I, yeah, (laughs) I did for a long time. Um, I think I actually feel more imposter syndrome in writing though, than I do with lawyering. And I think that must just have something to do with how vulnerable writing is. You know, when I'm lawyering, it's not personal. But when I'm writing, it is, it does feel very personal. And how do you feel about, um, like, how does, how does your, I don't know if you work at a law firm or a fellow, they, they they know you have a book coming out. Yeah, they do. And they're excited for me. Yeah. Are you having an in-office book party for yourself? I would immediately. No, I'm not. I am having an event though, for those in the LA area. Yes. I was, you have two events coming up, right? Yes. So I have a virtual event on June 7th with the author, Jennifer Close, who is an example of a catapult teacher that I had and fell in love with. She's amazing. And um, we remained friends after that. And she just had a book come out called Marrying the Ketchups that is so good. 
I cannot emphasize enough how good it is. And um, very cool. Then on June 12th, for those in the LA area, I have an in-person event at a bookstore called Pages in Manhattan Beach. And it's on a Sunday at 3 p.m., June 12th. And that's with the also amazing author, Alison Winscotch. Very cool. Yeah. That sounds cool. So I'll invite some of my colleagues to that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, We're talking book party launch i lost my place yeah as you see i have no notes i just look at the sky and go you help um <laughs> lawyering your fellow lawyers do you have any questions for me how this show works <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious what classes you teach oh i teach screenwriting oh cool Where? i used to teach novel at ucla extension that's awesome yeah i was briefly a screenwriting major actually Oh, were you? Yeah. I went to LMU for college Uh and they didn't have a creative writing program. And so I did screenwriting my freshman year, but I was the only girl. And that made me feel very self-conscious. I don't know if it would be that way today, but I was the only girl and I had never seen Star Wars and (laughs) I felt like I didn't fit in at all. The original Star Wars. Yeah. Because they're teaching the hero's journey. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen the original Star Wars. No, it's I, it's it's so bad now. It's just like I don't even ask for the original Star Wars. Um, you know, I I come up with films like uh, or even like one of my examples I use is Ocean's Eleven. If um, okay. for ensemble stuff, and they're like, oh, that classic. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> wait, how old were you when he came out? No, my my dad and mom were dating when it came out. I, I wasn't even born yet. Okay, okay, thanks. Thanks for letting me know I'm dying before you, way before you. Thank you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I remember that I wrote um well when I was when I went to college, Garden State was a huge thing. <sighs> Oh, I loved that movie. Yeah, yeah, everybody did. It had come out when I was in high school. We yeah. were all obsessed with Zach Braff. We were all obsessed with the soundtrack. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to write something quirky, like a quirky love story, like Garden State. Yeah. I wrote this movie about this. It's so funny for me to think about now. It was about a freshman in college, and I was a freshman in college, who like kind of had a, like fell in love with her English professor. And then their love story was kind of told through like classic novels. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I like that a lot. I hope you <laughs> go back to that. Up. I know. Yeah. I should dig it up. It's probably on like a 2008 windows PC that weighs 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The hard drive weighs 20 pounds, not the exactly. PC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like reel to reel in this like huge building. It's just like rolling up the analog tapes, you know. It's like NASA 1955. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, see, so you, you did have some um some uh what do you call it? So you were in LA for college. Why were you in New York? Um, after I graduated from college, I did teach for America. And so I got placed in New York where I taught. You second did. Grade. You did. Oh, okay. Okay. It's called Teach for America. Teach for America. Yeah. It's what a, does that mean? It's a program where they take college graduates to teach for two years um, in public schools. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like AmeriCorps, but 
all but for teachers. Sounds like a cult, but (laughs) (laughs) so, so you get, so, so are you, did you get a class for like a whole year or do you bounce around to different classes? I had my own classroom. So I taught Mm -hmm. at a charter school in Brooklyn for Mm -hmm. two years. And that's actually where I met the author that I told you about earlier, Crystal Hana Kim. Yeah. And I did it together and um, we became roommates. And so then after that, I went to law school at Fordham in New York. Okay. So I stayed in New York then after that to work. And you had rent control in Brooklyn and you lost that. (laughs) I never had rent control. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I was in New York all said and done about 10 years. But you're from LA. I'm from Arizona originally. Oh, you're from Arizona. That's right. Yeah. So what was, what was the culture shock like going to New York and living there? Like what was, what was the deal as a young person going, I'm in the big apple. It was intense. It was amazing. I think I felt, I felt, I felt like the girl in the movies who, you know, comes out of the subway in Times Square and is looking around (laughs) with googly eyes. I mean, that was totally me. Uh I missed, I didn't know a single person when I moved to New York. So it was a while before I felt comfortable and made friends, but then I became a total New Yorker. And then moving back here was like intense culture shock. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Did, have you ever lived in New York? Um, No, I was, I was there for uh, three weeks uh, right before COVID Mm. and actually kind of thinking about um, being there a lot more. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. Um, but I, but I really liked Brooklyn and I was just like going, I could live here. This is the jam, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. I thought about moving back a lot, but then when the pandemic happened, I was really happy that I was out here because I could go outside. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, that's that, that had to be, we were lucky. It was so weird at the beginning in LA because they wouldn't even let you hike anywhere. You know, I remember the first, yeah. It was like the first uh, after two months when they're like, okay, you can, you can actually be outdoors with people in your own household. I went to um, the, I don't know if you know, Ferndale over uh, by trails cafe in Griffith park. I went, I went over there and every piece of lawn was just, everybody was out. I had never seen it like that in my life and I haven't seen it since. And I should have taken photos, but I don't even think I had the, um, the mental capacity to take photos because we were all just kind of like, going is this okay yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah oh that was such a yeah I remember going to a park in Culver City with my cousin and we were sitting six feet apart but they had actually someone there who worked for the city who came over and told us to put masks on wow yeah I remember it was like nobody knew the rules it was just very right. yeah oh you know, and, and it's just so weird to be on the other end of it. You know, what's what, and um, you know, this is TMI, of course, but who cares? But, um, but, uh, you know, as we were like coming out of it, I got, I was having some huge anxiety issues as we were kind of reintegrating. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got back in therapy. I was, I was just like, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time, like going outside and like, you know, not, everything's not boarded up anymore. And there's people around. It's just, it was everything was kind of jarring. Everything I ever wanted was let's get back to normal. And then all of a sudden it was like, this is messing with my head. Yeah. I think a a lot of people felt that way. I felt that way too. For me, 
I very easily slipped into staying at home all the time, which was, I never had really, I think I always considered myself an extrovert because I'm fairly, you know, friendly, but I realized that that's not <laughs> at all accurate. I'm actually an, an introvert big time and it's hard work for me to do that. And so being around other people again, it was exhausting. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. And we need a, in the, what, what really kind of like um, drove for the point home so much is how we need other people. We need other people like constantly, even the people that we're just like, Ugh. you know, and it's just like, but you need those, you need all the, all the different, um, we need, our brains need so much stimulus. They even need people honking at us. And it's just, uh, you know, unless that's what we've been environmentally uh, attuned to, but when all of a sudden, when you're walking empty streets and no one's honking at you, it's like, this isn't bliss. This yeah. isn't bliss. This piece isn't bliss. Yeah. I did. I did get a lot of writing done. I will say, I think. Some did you? People, okay. Well, go ahead. Some people were able or were able to produce creatively during the pandemic. I mean, Emily St. John Mandel wrote an entire novel that just came out and I did get a lot done as well. I, but I think other people, I think I've heard from a lot of writers that they felt so overwhelmed that it was hard to produce. Um, so I enjoyed the time at home in, in that way, I guess. I was able to just sit at the computer and not feel guilty about it because there was really nothing I could do anyway. That, that's really cool. Yeah, I had kind of a black swan event because I was ghostwriting, which is just, mm. it's another word for sucking your soul and draining you dry. And you probably should have just got a job at Trader Joe's situation, <laughs> but but ghostwriting is just awful, uh, especially when, yeah, in the, in this situation. And I finally got off of that, but I was still doing it as COVID started. Mm -hmm. And then I had to like get, so I had to shake that filth off my soul because I was ghost, I was ghostwriting self-help books okay. for people who wanted to become life coaches. And these people were awful, awful people. <laughs> they were just like, they were like real estate agents who wanted books about how great being a real estate agent is because they hated being real estate agents and they wanted to become life coaches, but you couldn't put that in the book. And I'm like, you have nothing, you're a void. And they, That's it's like, ironic. yeah. And then, the, and, and then I realized these people have never read books in their lives. They've only listened to Anthony, uh, Tony Robbins on audio. I'm like, it was, it was like, I'll, I'll write about it one day when I won't feel like jumping off of a short bridge into a uh, shallow pond. But um, the, uh, so I was shaking that off and then COVID hit. And then I think I was just strangled creatively. I was, it was just like, it, 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 everything kind of came to a stop. And I think, mm -hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with that ghostwriting too. It was brutal. And the news. I mean, I'm, I'm really bad about having my you know microsoft word up which is what i write in but mm. then checking the news constantly and that i need a solution for because it is such a mind disruptor you know what i did and this was interesting is um like <laughs> i you know what i did and this is interesting what an egocentric thing to say no you know i need it I, lay it I, on no, i i i find it in, interesting that i that i did this but i I got into things that I never would have got into in my life just so I can watch different news. So I got into cryptocurrency and I got into learning about financial markets. And then so I could watch 
that, you know, because we were devoid of sports too. I'm, I follow baseball and it's just like, ugh, you know, that was sad during pandemic. But, but I was like, oh, I got, to, I, you know, when you talked about finance, I was like, I, I find finance so interesting and like global economy so interesting. And I would just dive into these like um, wormholes. And I found my guys that I would like listen to every day who were talking about crypto and, and it, and it kind of like helped me have a focus on that where everyone else is just like you're you're gonna die you're not gonna die take the mask off throw the mask out <laughs> just yeah like, I, i'm out of the conversation i can't take it anymore <laughs> that's good yeah whatever works yeah one so, method that i learned from a catapult teacher again i'm i am catapult's best saleswoman um, i know i know and thank you to catapult for sponsoring this show yeah exactly intent <laughs> I've kept them in business over the years. That's the number of classes that I've taken. Wow, wow. Um, but I did learn about the Pomodoro method. Have you, do you know what that is? No, no. It's, um, I don't know why it's called the Pomodoro method, but basically you can download an app. You can just search Pomodoro method. There are a few different ones and you write in 25 minute increments and then take a break for five minutes. Huh. So it, it can shut down your other websites or social media or whatever, so that you're focused for 25 minutes. And then during those five minutes, you get some food or whatever you want, check the news. It really works. Also because um, I think for me, <laughs> all writers have anxiety about blank page. And for me, when I have a completely blank page, and an entire day ahead, like let's say I've blocked out all of Saturday and I think I'm just gonna write, all of a sudden I feel paralyzed. Like how am I going to accomplish everything that I need to accomplish in this day? But if you only have 25 minutes, you'll tell yourself, all right, well, there's no way I'm gonna write the most amazing chapter of all time, but at least I could do a few sentences and that feels way less scary. And so you start writing, it really works. And then if you add up, you know, six Pomodoros, that's a good chunk of time. Uh, yeah, I like that. The, um, yeah. And it's, and yeah, the blank page is like, the blank page is like fighting a bully. The blank page is a bully. It's just like, yeah, yeah right. You're not going to do this. Look at me, I'm blank. There's nothing you can do. There's that. Then you start typing and then all of a sudden it gets bigger and bigger. But yeah. I, hand, I handwrite all my first drafts. So when I type into oh. the computer, I've already written the scenes. Uh, and so I'm just, and that's, and then it's just like, that's just transcribing and printing it out. So that's, and it's, the, it's not a great way to write because it adds, it's, I'm adding like steps to the process, but I found that's how I have to do it. I have to write on yellow legal pads. Everything just has to be not precious at all. Mm -hmm. And then I put it, then, then, then I keyboard it into uh, Microsoft word and then just keep doing it like that. So wow. even when screen, even screenwriting, I handwrite, I handwrite the screenplay. I don't, I know people who go straight into final draft. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Cause final draft is taunting me. <laughs> it's just like, you think you can write a screenplay. It's like, but what if I'm writing it on a legal pad, then it's a different story. Wow. That's so interesting. I don't do that. Um, I don't do that. I did recently hear an author on a podcast who was talking about how she handwrites her first drafts and then throws them out. 
and then writes them on the computer so that whatever she remembers, she keeps, but what she doesn't remember, she gets rid of. I kind I, of I've, you know, someone that. else told me about that too. I think that's pretty cool, but I could never do that because there's still juice in the stuff that I, even if it's bad, I like bad ideas. And it's, it's like, you know, you know how, when you're just like, that's a terrible idea, but then you keep thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you, you realize, oh, wait, that actually makes sense. If blank, blank, blank. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I'll get really, really stressed over a plot problem and I'll think that's it. I'm going to have to throw out this entire novel because I can't figure out this one plot problem. And then later when I've calmed down, (laughs) I'll realize that there's a very simple solution. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be into that. We have to almost bring ourselves to that calming state because our, I feel like it's our left brain and our right brain fighting the, the intellectual side of there's no reason you should do this. You should be lawyering. You should be, you know, doing blah, 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 all that chatter. Yeah. And then you, you got to get it out of the way and go, no, no, we're over here. We're right braining right now. Yeah, exactly. So what yeah. is your, what is your writer? It, uh, I, you know, it's, I, it's, I kind of think it's the only club I actually feel okay belonging to. It just, you know, you're just like going, I, it's just like, oh, you get me you, because we do this crazy thing. This, this, it's this silliness. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think writers have so much in common. It feels really nice to tell someone about your anxieties and just have them say, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's just, it's so beautiful because None of it is like new and out of nowhere. You could just go with the, go with the craziest stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, no, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lovely place to be. And um, congratulations on your book. Um, thank you. So thanks for coming on the show too. Thanks for having me. That was really fun. Afraid is a crime.
Taylor Hahn on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, The Lifestyle. Next week on the show, we have Diana Abu-Jabbar discussing her new book, Fencing with the King. Keep listening, keep reading, keep telling your story. Show up to the page every day. It may feel vulnerable, but the process, it's pretty good. I'll see you next week.
You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.